Hello and welcome to another episode of the Distance Diaries podcast. Um, it's already episode 14 now, so pretty excited to be with you yet again. Uh, my name <laughs> is uh, Fraser and I'm from London. And my name is Natalia and I'm from Mexico City. Thanks for listening. Fraser has left Mexico City now, so we're back to our normal setup being on Skype while we record. So sorry for any difficulties that we have. We got used to being in the same room while recording. So yeah. Anything interesting you've done this week, Fraser? Yes, so as mentioned, um, came back from Mexico at the start of the week, so it was pretty jet-lagged for the last sort of six days since since getting back. Having said that, I've also had a really active week. I've done a lot of, end up doing a lot of things outdoors. So with my uh, my mm. colleagues at work, we went on a bit of an away day. Um, well, we had some um, some talks and presentations, but we also went um, and and did raft building. So it was at the a place called the Lee Valley White Water Centre, and it's where they hosted the Olympic kayaking and various sort of water sports events uh, back in in twenty twelve. That is that's such an interesting thing to do for team building. Let's go raft building. Yeah, so it was that was quite good for team building. So we built the raft and then we went went out on those. Then we later went white water rafting. So mm. where you basically get into eight people into a a boat with an instructor who then sort not of Not the boat you built. Not the boat you built, no, a proper good. sort of vessel and then you get yeah. sort of shouted at like lean right, paddle on the right, paddle on the left, you know, whilst going through kind of rapids, basic rapid water. So did you that, fall? Uh, a couple of times, yeah. Um, yeah. Although thankfully it was was all fine, um, and because it's all a man-made place, it's it's not sort of really dangerous or anything. You're um, not gonna like fall through a waterfall and die. Not die, <laughs> no. I mean, a couple of people, you, know, you get a few bumps and bruises. Yeah. Um, so that was good. Uh, played football today, um, and I also yesterday had a, a sort of all uh, afternoon pool party which is really nice hadn't done one of those f- for about five years so that was uh that was good fun and made the most of uh some some good weather. weather we've been having yeah how about you i am very very boring and i haven't done very much since you left i went back to uni so i've been busy with that and i had a picnic with my friends on friday which we do sort of on a regular basis then I went for dinner with my friends and I had a party that I left within half an hour because I started feeling quite ill. Oh, no. So quite, it's, it's not been a very interesting week. Sorry about that. That sounds busy enough for the first week back at, back, uh, back at university. Yeah. Cool. And what have been enjoying any, any TV, any films? Yeah, I watched on Netflix, I watched To All the Boys I've Loved Before, because I, I read the book, and I really enjoyed it. It's a really sweet rom-com film about high school, and I sort of feel like Netflix is investing a lot of money into making rom-coms come back, because they've got um, Set It Up came out with them, they've they've got quite a few lately, yeah. and I feel like since about 2004, we'd been going through a lack of rom-coms in Hollywood. Like, there have been a few here and there, but not many. And I feel from last year to this year, we've had The Big Sick, Crazy Rich Asians is coming out. There's been a lot 
constantly. So I felt there's a comeback of the rom com. Yeah, and people cool. people must be enjoying them if they're investing in making them. Um, then there must be people watching them. Yeah, and a few are being written and directed by women who women are meant to be the main target of those films. So it's really cool that women are doing it because we're loving it. So it's cool, <laughs> and I am. I really wish that in this week's podcast I could say that I watched Mamma Mia. Too, but I haven't. It came out on Friday here, and I'm gonna watch it tonight. I've got my ticket, so cool. Be ready to hear about yeah. that next week. Hopefully, it's good. <laughs> what about you? Sure. So I have been watching this new, actually, Amazon Prime documentary about. Uh, so it's effectively a football documentary. Uh, it's called All or Nothing, um, Manchester City. So it's about last season's Premier League winners, Man Man City. And apparently they've done these series, I think, within uh, basketball and American football. So it's almost like the same format of of uh, of episodes. Yeah, I think it was about 10 episodes or so. So I watched the first uh, one of those. But basically, there's just the incredible behind-the-scenes access to the team, to the manager, and it does give you a real sense of what it's like to what's really going on, I suppose, in a football club. So I'm kind of looking forward to watching the the rest of those. Yeah, also two of my favourite bands released music this week, which is cool. The 1975 have a new song called Two, two time, time, Two Time, Two Time. Two time. <laughs> so Two Time, T-O-O, Time, Three Times. Yeah. <laughs> you just gave away some of the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, I've ruined it for everyone. Um, effectively, <laughs> it's kind of like... If you made a Drake song by an indie band, yeah, that's how it, that's how it sounds to me. Yeah, there's it's a little like bit of auto tune. It's a little bit. No, sorry, not even a Drake song, but one dance by yeah. Drake. It's like if, if you took that kind of song, there's just sort of pop, upbeat pop song, but that's from R, that that one happens to be from R and B. But you then sort of moved it and made an alternative band do it. it it's very odd. But yeah, good. the video is quite cool. If you are on Spotify, you can watch the video on Spotify. And it's quite cool. They made it with fans, so it's fun. Yeah. So yeah, I'll stop banging on about Pale Waves as well because I always mention them. So they also have a new song though. I like it. I mean, two of your favorite bands are bringing out albums, and that's why it's so much. Yeah, I've got a bunch of concerts coming up this autumn, yeah. so I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that as well. Cool. <laughs> cool. So moving on uh, to our first topic for the week, we were looking at, uh, or we were thinking about. I'm not sure where it came up. I think it was maybe when we were in Mexico City. We were thinking how how much. So I was staying in an Airbnb out there. And we were, Natalia was driving us quite a lot, but we also took a lot of Ubers. Um, and so we were thinking about what companies are there that have filled a gap in the market so large that we now can't imagine what we'd do or can't imagine life without them. So we we put together a little list of some of our sort of most commonly used ones. So the first one that that kind of springs to mind for us is Skype or FaceTime, yeah. which is actually what we're using today. But effectively, free, video unlimited chat. video calling for people in yeah. any country, any place, in any time. And it's it's pretty crazy because it's, well, obviously it's the fabric of this show and the fabric of our relationship that we're able to do that. And so it really, and, and although the technology has been around for a while, the fact that everyone 
who's got an internet connection can access it is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, and I think it's very obvious for us because I, I can't imagine what it was like to be in a long-distance relationship before video chats. But it's also, I feel like a lot of people FaceTime just randomly, like FaceTime their boyfriend when they're in the car or when they're walking instead of calling them on the phone, they FaceTime them. And I think it's such a strange thing that that didn't used to exist just a few years ago. And now it's strange to think about a world where that didn't exist. Yeah, totally agree. Skype has 300 million active users, which is so much. That's crazy. And it's used for about 3 billion minutes a day. Yeah. And and that's just Skype when you think of all the other ones Mm -hmm. that are out there. Like everyone who's got an iPhone has access to FaceTime. And yeah, there's, there's so... Just the quantities are unbelievable. Yeah, and it's also a current life in offices without FaceTime or Skype or a video chatting software now is really weird to think about because it's just a way to have meetings. So I think they have really, they've changed a whole industry, right? Yeah, and changed lives. So the second one we thought of, which is obvious because it's what, the reason why it came up, is Uber and other sort of on-demand Things in apps such as Rappi in Mexico or Deliveroo in the UK. Yeah, so, and I think one thing that's kind of interesting to clarify, in London, getting an Uber is still pretty expensive. It's a lot cheaper than getting a, a normal London taxi. But mm. for in, people in Mexico, it's actually like, I think it's it's better. Yeah, cheaper. Than, cheaper than, than getting a normal taxi. So it's pretty... What what I'm trying to say is that it's quite common to get one in Mexico, whereas in London, like, it's still, it's not that cheap, if that makes sense. No, but in London, you get the Liveroo all the time. I was listening to a podcast I listened to called The Fringe of It, and uh, Charlotte, who's one of the hosts, would, was talking about how she moved away from from London, I think it was. I don't know if it was. Maybe it was a different city. But she the first thought she had was, Snow the Liveroo? in this place <laughs> and then once she's living there she's like it's not that necessary but if you live in a big yeah. city i feel like that type of service is just you just take it for granted it's like oh i'll just order food right now yeah and i feel like when you can't and we're going to talk about another example of this later but when you can't get something quickly whether it's a taxi or something else you're like oh this is terrible yeah even even if your Uber is more than five minutes away, you're like, oh my god, so far. That this is so this is unacceptable. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and if it says ten minutes and it doesn't, and it keeps on ten minutes for the next three minutes, you're like, this is ridiculous. Like this is just yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> so it's crazy to think that. For me, especially, because I used to take taxis everywhere. And if I went out with my friends, someone would have to pick us up. We'd have to hire a driver. And now it's like. I can't even remember those days anymore. We just get an Uber. Yeah. So it's, I'm really sorry if you can hear the ice cream van in the background. <laughs> right outside. <laughs> that was uh, that that sort of thing was mentioned in our last episode yes. about the sounds of of Mexico City. Um, so yeah, Uber. I think we had the stats: eighty three countries, forty million rides a month yeah something like that so and i had something yeah, quite crazy i found something quite impressive about the growth of uber in 2014 nine percent of people chose to use uber over a rental car or a taxi in 2015 just a year later that went up to 29 percent of people preferred uber over rental cars and taxis yeah so i feel like 
that growth probably continued in a lot yeah. of different markets and and it's launched in more and more cities more and more countries that's yeah it's a powerful powerful thing yeah and as much as people because i've talked about this with other people people think like oh but i really don't agree with uber's politics about not taking responsibility for their drivers or whatever the ceo did and their sc- the scandals that they've had yeah. people don't necessarily agree with it as a company but it's become this sort of apart from cabify it's almost this only thing you can use yeah there's only yeah there's only a handful there's lyft lyft um, cabify yeah a, a few others yeah and they have the same problem so people just use the biggest one which is uber mm. so it was clearly this massive gap in the market that they knew how to fill which is crazy Yes. So the next one is one that I know is particularly close to your heart. Yes. Netflix. <laughs> and streaming services. The reason why we chose Netflix is because what I feel like is the mainframe for all the other ones. Like it was the success of Netflix that made Amazon come up with Amazon Video and HBO come on come up with HBO Go and be really firm about those platforms. It was the success of netflix because netflix they saw the future those guys (laughs) yeah so that's what's i suppose pretty interesting about it is the company was actually started 20 years ago as a dvd rental company where effectively they would deliver you a dvd by post you'd send it back you get another one and in britain we had one called love film that was basically that did that where effectively yeah you you effectively have your your unlimited films but it's just by post dvd, DVD uh, originally and then they expanded obviously to blu-rays but it's pretty crazy that only 20 years ago they started with that being their business basically you can still get dvds delivered by netflix by the way in the yeah, us in the us in the us they've got over four million people still use the, the old-fashioned netflix service they still make like money from that business which is funny and then in 2007 is when i think they just they saw youtube which i think started 2005 and they saw the future and they were like we're going to do a streaming service and now they have 130 million subscribers and 100 million hours a day are streamed on their platform wow which is insane like 130 million subscribers and the average amount of users per Account is one point five, two point five. Sorry, two point five. So people are sharing, sharing accounts. Yeah, two thirds of the accounts are shared. Okay. So you can't even count the amount of people watching. Yeah, there's obviously quite a lot more than one hundred thirty million people basically that are seeing stuff, yeah. seeing content on Netflix. Interesting. Yeah, and the way that they can measure the success of films is so easy it's like how many people have watched it to the end how many people have stopped watching it how many people clicked on it yeah they just have all the data right there exactly and and not only the data of how much is being watched but also who's, who's watching, watching what? what what do people what does a 40 year old man in london watch after watching a tv series which what's the next TV series? Yeah. So they know what to recommend people. They know what to offer people. Apparently, it's just really powerful. It's like ninety something percent of their users take their recommendations from Netflix. Yeah, I think we've all we can all sympathise with that. Where we've sort of gone on and thought, oh yeah, that looks kind of interesting, yeah. <laughs> and just we'll give give that a go. Ended up watching the whole series or whatever. Yeah, and they've got a very new interesting strategy where. It, 
after each episode of a show you watch, it used to say 15 seconds for the next one. Now it says five. <laughs> so you have five seconds to choose that you don't want to watch it. And if it's over that, you're like, oh, well, it's already started. It might as well just... <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing, to be honest. No. But... <laughs> it's just to, create, to make binge watching more effective. Also, Netflix does a lot of investment. And this is something that I wanted to talk about on Netflix as well. Sorry, I could just talk about Netflix for hours. They not only filled this gap in the market for consumers who didn't want to go out and rent a film anymore. They wanted to watch. They wanted the cinema to come to the house. And they didn't only fill that gap, but they also filled a gap in the film and TV industry, which was it's very hard to get your show or film produced sometimes and it's really hard to get distributors. And Netflix has filled this gap by saying yes to most things. And what they do is, for example, Ogja. I don't know if people watch Ogja, but it was in the Cannes Film Festival. And what Netflix did was talk to a director and say, it is your film, we will not interfere with any of your creative decisions do whatever you want and what that does is that a lot of other production companies don't do that they have guidelines and they have certain things that your film has to cover netflix is just like do whatever you want so a lot of producers are going to them now so it could be good for variety in terms of content yeah so this year they're releasing 700 original tv shows and 80 original films 700 TV shows. Crazy. Very impressive. So yeah, that's Netflix. Massive company. But you can't imagine your life without it. (laughs) (laughs) So the next company is one that's closer to Fraser's heart now. Yes, that's probably true. Um, So we've gone with Spotify and music streaming. So imagining what life was like before is actually pretty easy because I remember it very vividly, the struggle of getting the finding the songs you want so there were loads of different ways this was a problem a if you heard a song that you liked and you then wanted to listen on the radio or your friend told you about a song and you wanted to listen to it or listen to it again you'd have to go on youtube and then there's all kinds of copyright restrictions and issues with getting stuff uploaded you didn't know when it was coming out or it just wasn't out yet so you couldn't listen to it you had to wait whereas now music is uploaded so fast that it's just the the access is so quick Uh, and then also if you wanted to listen to a song on an ipod if you remember what an ipod is (laughs) our listeners are not that young (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true that's true um but if you wanted to get it onto your ipod or in my case like a really old mobile phone or something when, when i first got a phone that played mp3s you'd have to either buy the song individually off iTunes or another website, or you'd have to use a YouTube to MP3 converting software to like illegally Download take it. the audio from a from a video, which was no good. Did you ever get um, LimeWire and stuff like that? I didn't have LimeWire, but no, I know. There was also there were tons of different services where you could... Yeah, and the problem with those was... download things. We killed computers with those because obviously a lot of the downloads <laughs> were just viruses. So it was yeah. not very good. Yeah, and I think now the ability to effectively just set set everything up for... in Well, in the UK, it's like £9.99 a month for Spotify or Apple Music, which I have, hmm. is... Well, it's pretty incredible. Even even Spotify free is 
is is good enough in the sense that you can you can hop on if you're on desktop and just listen to the individual songs that you want. So. Yeah, uh, Spotify has 170 million subscribers, out of which 75 million are paid subscribers. So that's quite a lot as well. We're saying big, big companies here. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, and the same thing that you were saying about illegally downloading music on before Spotify and iTunes Music is the same for Netflix and Amazon Prime and stuff. It was it used to be a lot harder to find films that you wanted to watch. So you used to illegally download them. Whereas now, the first thing you do is check on Netflix or any other streaming services that you pay for and you just feel a lot better (laughs) (laughs) yeah you don't feel bad about i mean obviously it's not an the artists don't always get an amazing deal with things like spotify Mm. but you don't feel bad about paying 9.99 because like it's worth it for you as a consumer and you hope that kind of everyone gets their gets their fair share down the line so yeah Cool. So the next one is a bit of a, a bit of a giant and it's a bit obvious. And to be, to be honest, we, we kind of talked about it in some ways when we were talking about Uber. But effectively, we, we've chosen Amazon because the ability, we now expect to just be able to get anything online pretty much. Um, yeah. And if you think about things that you go, oh, where could, where could I get that? First thing you think about is, oh, check on Amazon. Yeah. Like me, my mom wanted a Winnie Pooh costume for my dog. And she was like, hey, where, where could I get that? And she went like, let's check on Amazon. Like, it's just the first thing that comes yeah. to your head. And we can have it tomorrow. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just crazy. It feeds into the kind of expectation of what, what we were talking about earlier, of like the outrage of things not being available instantly. Amazon's mm. really fueled that for sort of products where you you now feel and if you shop on a website that's not amazon and things are going to be a week to arrive you feel like it just feels like that feels like such a long time yeah um so yeah when when the date is because that happens a lot in amazon mexico because a lot of things are still imported because amazon mexico is quite it's pretty new compared to amazon us right so a lot of things are still imported and when they say oh they're going to be in your house in seven days 15 days you're like oh that's so long but if you think about it it's not really that long it's not that long to have something sent from somewhere a random yeah. specific a random yet specific item from another often potentially from another country to your door it's not very long <laughs> seven days is like is not a long time but it, yeah they've, they've kind of changed the game over the last 20 yeah. years amazon has 310 million users and something very, very interesting, because Amazon Prime, me and Fraser are both Amazon Prime users. And Amazon Prime users spend $1,300 a year on Amazon, on average. That's a lot. That is versus the $700 a year that normal users spend. So if you're an Amazon Prime user, you might think, like, oh, I'm getting yeah. such a good deal. But really, you're probably spending more than normal user. You're probably just, yeah, you're just, like, more invested yeah. in, in Amazon, basically. And also, if you're on Amazon Prime, you think, if I order on Amazon, I'll have it tomorrow or in an hour. So I might as well just order on Amazon. Yeah, exactly. Builds more loyalty. Yeah. And you can do food shops on Amazon. You can do any type of shopping you want. You can do it on Amazon. Yes. It's it's crazy. That's enough of the advert for Amazon. 
Oh. They're gonna have to pay us. They're gonna have to pay us now. It's not really a number. It's just thinking about. <laughs> can you think of life before Amazon? I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> They've changed everyone's mindset. Yeah. So the final example that we uh, wanted to talk about was Airbnb. Now, it, I actually think that it's less of an essential or mind-changing. Yeah. Or, sorry, mindset shifting. I should say, a concept than things like Uber or than Amazon or some of the others on the list. However, it has, I suppose, created a whole new way of living for people and a, mm. a new way that people, travel. not only who, who, yeah, way that people travel, basically. Um, so that's kind of why we, we wanted to, to have it on the list. And it's, it's just, I think, one, when you go traveling now, the first thing you look at is not booking.com, unless you specifically want a hotel. The first thing you look at is Airbnb. Yeah, it is for me at least. And I think partly because it unlocks so many more options in terms of cost. Yeah. So with a hotel, generally in big cities, there's kind of, there's the option of hostels. But then if you want to stay in a hotel, there's kind of a, like a minimum price yeah. for those if that makes sense whereas with airbnb the it, there's almost everything at the really high end all the way through to sort of really really cheap places and generally at every level it is well quite a lot less in terms yeah. of the space that you're paying for than a hotel when i did my trip with my friends four years ago to europe we never looked at airbnb or we, we stayed in hostels the entire time i think now people doing doing the, the, that trip now would be silly not to look at Airbnb. Especially if you're sharing. Yeah, it's five or six people traveling together. You might as well look at Airbnb in different cities. And that, it didn't even cross our minds four years ago. So in four years, it's become the the main thing you look for. <laughs> I, I still don't really get Airbnb experiences yet. <laughs> I feel like they want us to get it, but I've still not tried it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I think Airbnb has changed a whole industry. That's why I want to try it to a list, because it has changed. It's changed the industry in the same way that Uber changed the cab ride industry and Amazon yeah. changed the shopping industry. It, it has changed the entire traveling and hotel industry, I think. There's a new show on Netflix. Sorry. It's a new show on Netflix called like Stay Here or something like that. And it's literally about like a man and a woman that redo living space for people that want to be hosts. Of they never say Airbnb, but of Airbnb. <laughs> That's what the show is about. Okay. It's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, Airbnb has 150 million users, 4 million listings, and 191 countries, and something like 600,000 hosts. So okay. quite a lot. And it's funny because it started... Impressive. The way that they filled the gap in the market was because the founders needed it in a way because they thought like oh i'm just gonna like offer for people that i don't know to stay in my flat because they come to this part of the world a lot and then they were like wait there's an idea here yeah yeah so i think it's such an interesting company if you want to look into it because of the way that they built trust and the way that it was really hard because nothing like it existed before it was really hard to build trust to stay in the in the flat of someone you, you don't know it was quite, uh, mm. and now it's very easy for us, like, oh, just put stars and put a review. It's really easy for us to think about that now, but it wasn't when they started. When they started, they had to exactly. come up with it. Not, it's not that the concept of reviewing is, is new. It's, uh, it's just that 
you now like everyone universally understands the concept of a one to five star review yeah, exactly. for, for for any service online it's just what you expect to see is oh what is it out of out of five yeah and maybe if you went if you went back 10 15 years ago those concepts exist if you went in like a newspaper and looked up reviews of of things but you didn't expect to have this constant like rating and being rated yeah that was that was that's kind of an interesting reflection i suppose and it was a problem for for amazon and ebay and all those services for airbnb for uber it is a problem to think wait how are we gonna build trust and i think airbnb and maybe ebay were some of the first to think wait people can review but that was like a revolutionary idea. Now it's so easy to think about, but it was really weird. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't common. So it's, it's interesting to think about the way they built that. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, moving on to our second topic. It's a bit of a deep one, as sort of usual, it's more of a discussion between me and Fraser more than facts. But we, we wanted to talk about comparison and inspiration in the Instagram age. And by Instagram age, we also mean Facebook, Twitter, which is the Instagram idea of perfection. So what do you think, Praise? Yeah, so I think there's there's positives and negatives of comparison and inspiration in the Instagram age. Uh, I know it sounds obvious to say that there's positives, but I feel like I've been reading a lot about the uh, mm. the negatives lately. But in terms of some positives, I thought about the kind of instant access that we yeah. now have to inspiration, whether that's on a really sort of simple level, being able to go on Pinterest or Instagram and find nice things for your house, nice things to wear that you don't necessarily have to go out and buy. You don't, it's not, it doesn't cost you anything, but that you can effectively just look at and see the things that you have in a new light and effectively be able to to come up with or have access to creativity that you otherwise wouldn't have and and I think that's really cool and it makes our Mm. lives quite a lot more interesting and different it means that people do different things and there's more more variety the other example of that inspiration I actually think it can be used and I see it being used in a real sort of force for good so when you see Instagram accounts that are about getting fitter or working more productively or feeling more sort of mentally happy, whether that's from things like meditation or whether it's just Mm. some kind of positivity or inspiration. And I think those things are all sort of really good examples of how comparison to others can be used for yeah your benefit effectively that is sort of how i use instagram in a way we're going to talk about the negatives in in a sec but i've never had a negative impact on terms of comparison on instagram because i always more look at it as inspiration and a a really nice way to look at it and i've forgotten the name of the woman who says this but i will add it in the show notes um when i remember it it's a woman that says to think of Instagram as your own personal magazine that you can edit. If you don't like something, if you wouldn't like to see it in a magazine, just you can unfollow it. And it's, it's amazing because you can curate yeah. your own feed. Like if something makes you feel bad, you just click on follow and you don't have to see it. And I think that is sort of the point 
that Instagram is trying to make lately with their new explore page because they have this at the top they have like food or drink or fashion home well those are the ones I get because that's probably why I look at the most (laughs) (laughs) so you can sort of choose what inspiration you see there yeah I hadn't heard I hadn't heard it put like that in the magazine that's quite a cool way to think about it it is a really cool way to think about it and that's how I think about it and I I follow very very positive people on on Instagram like Jamila Jamil, who I've talked about in the podcast before, who are very sort of inspirational and they make you think, you know what, today I am going to do that thing that I had to do, which I, yeah. I, I, that's something that I really like about Instagram and social media as well. Yeah. That is one of the like big positives that I see. That is, is very motivating sometimes. Yeah. If you know what to follow. <laughs> Yes. So I think is that it for our for our positives? Yeah. I mean I obviously so. there's I positives think... in the sense that it's quite cool and it's fun to look at like <laughs> and to see what your yeah. and obviously to see what your friends are up to and all, like those are the obvious things about social media, right? Which is why we all got into them in the first place. Yeah, another thing. I have found a lot a lot a lot of very cool places through Instagram and I don't think that Okay, say I saw a cool photo of like a neon sign on Instagram or whatever, and you go to that cafe because you think it's cool. I don't think that's wrong. A lot of people look at that like, oh, you just came because you saw it on Instagram. It's like, yeah, it made me found a really cool spot. Thanks. Yeah, it makes like, you find, I think find places to go on holiday, places to go out, and yeah. it encourages people to have maybe different experiences to just what they know or where they've been before, I think. Yeah. And even if you go and you take a photo and you upload it to Instagram, that doesn't mean that you went to take the photo. <laughs> it's still like an experience. I don't know. Well, if you are doing that just for the photo, maybe you should sort of reevaluate yourself. But we are no <laughs> one to judge. So let's not judge that, I think. But yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is segueing us into a negatives where you go just to take photos, stuff like that. So Yeah, so that's that's one category that you mentioned is kind of this sort of hollowness of experience that people Mm. have. And I feel like if you're a regular person on one of these platforms, especially Instagram, it's less of a risk. I feel like if you're a professional blogger or aspiring blogger, you maybe you you probably feel a bit of pressure to to do that. To To, go to to, these Yeah, to go to a place to seek that photo rather than seek that experience. And I think that's that's definitely one kind of negative of of the the Instagram age. For sure, but I also think that if you're a blogger or an Instagrammer, you see opportunities of photos in a lot of places. Yeah. So I I think yeah. that it could counteract that. So yeah, there's maybe yeah. yeah. I suppose there's a difference between genuine creativity and people who are just going for to pose and be seen in a and be famous. Place. Yeah. 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 That's true. Okay. Good distinct good distinction. But the other negatives uh or, or that were have been sort of researched and, and documented are around sleep quality, uh bullying, mm. which is a little bit different, body image and fear of missing out. Um and and basically all of those things, according to a survey by the Royal Society for Public Health, have kind of various negative impacts on, mm. on people's mental well being. Um, they looked at sort of YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Snapchat, um, as well as Instagram. And Instagram was ranked kind of the lowest um, in terms of its lowest in the sense that it has the worst effect on people's on mental well-being. Health. Yeah. And so 
they they basically came up with some uh, some social media recommendations that they think yeah um, should be implemented. So <laughs> I don't I don't know what you think of these. So they said introducing a pop up which comes up if you're using social media heavily, like a pop up warning. Would that would that okay. be good? I don't think. Yeah, I I feel like. You would make people feel bad, but it probably would make them conscious of like, oh, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, that's, so, yeah. that's interesting. Social media's platforms themselves to identify users who could be suffering from mental health and discreetly signpost them towards getting support. A hundred percent. You think they should do that? Yeah, Instagram was talking about doing this. A hundred percent. Yeah, so that that's interesting. And then the th- the other recommendation was for uh, social media platforms to highlight when photos of people have been manip- like digitally manipulated or edited. Yeah, I think... I-, I watched a video on this very recently. I think editing an image in terms of colours and stuff, yeah. that's, not, that's not a problem. Digitally manipulated in terms of making them thinner yeah, or something, like I, using Facetune or whatever yeah, that app is it called. It says photos yes. of people. And I think it's referring to... That. So like Facetune and yeah, those and apps. body stuff. Anyway, yeah. Interestingly, of those three recommendations, apparently all of those are supported by at least two thirds of young people. So, like, they're pretty highly supported. Those those kind of changes, and they're probably all quite easy for these these platforms to make. I think that the fact that young people are supporting these types of initiatives speaks really highly of young people because they understand that it's a problem. Yeah, and. I think that that's quite hopeful because if you if you the moment we stop understanding that it's a problem to see like this perfect bodies all day or to be depressed because of this type of thing the moment we understand it's a problem it's it can be fixed if we stop seeing it as a problem and that one is really worrying and I think the fact that people are supporting this types of helpful social media recommendations means that most people understand that, yeah, it's a problem and we need to do something about it. And for example, Instagram, I forgot what this, there was a Russian challenge called like the whale challenge or something like that. And the end of that challenge was people kill themselves. If you look that challenge up on Instagram, if you look up the hashtag, Instagram doesn't let you go on it. It, it, it says like, are you suffering from mental health? You can call these numbers, which is what they should do for a lot of different things, I yeah. reckon. So, yeah, I think of other things that you talked about, like sleep quality, I think it does, that's probably one of the reasons why Instagram ranks lowest on well-being because it's so addictive. Is the last thing you see before bed is the first thing you see when you get up. So it's quite, that does affect your sleep pattern. Yeah. Not just because it's Instagram, because of the light on your face yeah. as well. Bullying, I think that there is a lot of, it, it does facilitate online bullying. Even though you can delete the comments, you still saw them. And I think this is a problem for maybe people who are a bit bigger on Instagram. They do receive a lot of bullying. And I think that that is, that is a problem. And even if it's less percentage of users that do that, I think there should be like consequences for bullying behavior on platforms. Yeah. And the other thing that's quite interesting is a fear of missing out one. Because the times that me and Fraser have talked about this before is this sort of way of the very thin line between being inspired and constantly feeling like you didn't get enough. So say we talked about that cafe 
So you went to that cafe and you're like, oh yeah, it is really cool. Then you go on Instagram and someone else is somewhere cooler and you're like, oh no, now I need to go to that one. And you never quite did enough. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the most negative things about all of it, really. <laughs> yeah, a lot of my friends even don't still don't really know how to curate their Instagram. So they're like, oh, but it makes me feel like really sad when I see all these people on holiday and I'm not on holiday. <laughs> and I, I guess that is like a negative effect. And the way to make it positive is, oh, I'm going to add that place to my list and one day I'll go on holiday there. I don't know. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think this sort of fear of missing out and striving for perfection is just impossible. Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably uh, probably got a... I, th I think it's going to come to an end in some way, but I'm not quite sure how. I feel like the phase that we're in with Instagram and a lot of these social networks is kind of temporary. Mm. Um, and the, the idea of these sort of lifestyle bloggers with perfect lives and and everything like that I, I i just don't feel like it is going to last forever yeah um and so i think something better will come along and that that people will soon find interesting if that makes sense yeah if you need a bit of a tip on how to curate your instagram the way i do it is say you're into fashion so i like looking at clothes a lot but i don't follow I don't really follow models on my Instagram. I follow other people who are into fashion. And that means from very thin people to plus size people who wear cool clothes. And that's it. And you just take style inspiration from them. But they don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Just don't fill your Instagram with perfect people because that's probably <laughs> going to deteriorate your mental health. And they're probably not perfect as well. And also... You can think of it this way. Maybe someone's looking at your Instagram and thinking, wow, they're so cool. I'm sure there are with you, for sure. Uh -huh. That's a good way to end, I think. Thank you so much for listening to our 14th episode. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter as at underscore Natalia Alvin. Yes, and I am at Fraser D. Bell on both of those platforms. Uh, we also have an email address. The Distance Iris Podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, any topic suggestions, any comments on what we've said on this episode, do let us know. We look forward to speaking with you next week. Yeah, bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening. This podcast is hosted by Mexi Clothing, a brand that brings you modern Mexican fashion into the UK and Europe. For more, you can visit www.mexi.clothing. Thank you for listening. <laughs>